So this is an interesting one as well. The the physician who who posed this question does not have uh, any kind of very very healthy individual uh, physically mentally um, doesn't have any kind of substance use or really any like I mean she's probably one of the healthiest overall <laughs> people I know. So you know what's free about having to use a substance to prevent withdrawal and is being dependent on a substance real i mean do you have any autonomy what came to your mind uh, for that question or if you received that question for somebody yeah. what would you say well again i think we seem to make a distinction about drugs like opiates and the hard drugs and a bit of a different distinction with alcohol with tobacco with the so more socially acceptable drugs because I think there are a lot of people who whose behavior that they exhibit would suggest that they don't have that control with, let's say, alcohol, for, for an example, because we've talked about that a fair amount on our show, that that alcoholic behavior is, it, it's so compelling that it's like sort of a magnet straight to the, straight to the liquor store. Mm -hmm. And are they going to die immediately? Probably not, mm -hmm. because there's a safe supply of alcohol in our That's province. Right. Yeah. But lots of people did die during prohibition. By lots the of way, people did die during pro <laughs> prohibition. Absolutely, from drinking uh, toxic booze. Un unlabeled, story. unlabeled, <laughs> sort of a random sample of alcohol that they would have received. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what come that came. To, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Was like, uh, how do we distinguish between um, alcohol and tobacco, and then hard drugs that put someone at a more immediate risk of death, though alcohol and tobacco are a much more, you know, if that addiction is sustained and, and long-term that there it's far higher risk. Well, both are more lethal than uh, like, uh, I mean, we've talked about this before. You could have a heroin habit until you're 90. And I mean, the, the, the person with a, a daily or chronic alcohol or even a tobacco problem is going to die sooner than that opiate person. Yeah. That's, that's my assertion. Not a lot of evidence because there's not a lot of trials, but that would that would be my guess. Could be wrong, but the point is, you're right. We do have different kind of expectations for our behavior surrounding different drugs. You can't say somebody who's a cigarette smoker has no autonomy. That would be De you know, definitely not. Of I course mean, they do. This person is still making decisions left, right, and center, and and yet if they if they decide to quit smoking, they're going to experience unpleasant withdrawal symptoms. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean they are an automaton, uh, just like <laughs> uh, the example I used is uh, an antidepressant. In a way, my freedom is reduced by the fact that I'm taking an antidepressant. And I realize this, I'm sort of, I'm sort of beholden to that substance, right? Because I could, I could decide, I could wake up tomorrow and be like, eh, I'm not going to take it for a month. I've done that. And when I've experienced, uh, I've done it, uh, I've done it cold turkey like that, and then I've done a taper off uh, venlafaxine, and the taper was definitely the way to go. But in both cases, I gave it some time and I looked at it. And I was like, no, uh, I I still think the benefit is is greater than the risk. So I decided to be beholden to that substance because it's providing me with a coping, another level of coping skill or not skill, but just shields, you know, it's, it's giving mm -hmm. me, it helps me cope with everyday life, but that doesn't mean that, uh, that my freedom has been, perhaps it's been reduced on a tiny scale, 
but it doesn't mean that I don't have any freedom at all. Certainly and, not. And that could be said of even a drug that needs to be, uh, here's another problem with fentanyl. It has to be dosed often, right? So if, you, if you're talking about something that you, that you really want to be chained to, that would be, you know, fentanyl is one of those ones where it's in and out, it's, it's got to be taken often. And this is an area where a safe supply could, could get in there. We could, I mean, if you gave these pharmaceutical companies a chance to develop Imagine the magical injectable opiates they could come up with, right? <laughs> if there was an incentive to uh, produce recreational opiates, I mean, my God, you'd have different re uh, release profiles. You'd have these uh, evergreen substances that were like uh, half hydromorph, half new synthetic, whatever. I mean, it, it, it would go on and on and on. It would be an yeah. entire industry. And yes, you would still be physically and probably to some degree psychologically if you were a chronic user addicted to those drugs or de dependent on them whatever you want to say and yes that would reduce your ability to travel without them or go to places where they weren't legal but it's not uh, it's not a complete and utter uh, loss of autonomy so that's i mean that's how i looked at it but it it's it's a good question because in some cases i think our our legal system and the indirect effects of having to procure that substance under these, you know, under these legal parameters and the indirect effects of being homeless, you know, your nutrition is out the window. You don't have the uh, safe place to sleep. You've got your personal hygiene is gone. You have no safety from other people or, you know, I mean, there's just a million other reasons why your freedom to just live your life penis is being reduced. And some of it has to do with the drug, but a lot of it has to do with the rest of the system there too. And much of it could be remedied if the drug was legal. Yeah. <laughs> For God's sake. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking like withdrawal is, is one of the reasons that puts someone at risk for going back and reusing that same drug and risking, risking overdose. But, but it's also a hundred other things. Mm-hmm stressors, life circumstance, environment. Those are variables that in some cases we do have control over and can mitigate the risks associated with, you know, not associating with certain people or not going in, you know, not going a certain way that's going to, where you're going to pass the liquor store or avoiding a group of people altogether. And then sometimes for individuals, there are also life circumstances where they're, where they're kind of stuck. And I think that that's where we see such a difference too, in, in the, the risk and the mortality of individuals who are employed, who are deemed, you know, sort of high functioning. And um, in our case, you know, healthcare professionals who are right. addicted to a substance versus someone who's out on the street. And the, those variables there, the choice is there for both groups, but the factors that sort of surround them and that would compel them to make some of those choices and that would put them at higher risk are also very, very present. Yeah. Present and vastly different. And vastly different. Yeah. Like it's, uh, look at us for God's sake. I mean, yeah. We're here we are. Yeah, everything's okay. Yeah. You know, we're ticking along, even doing a podcast about it. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, this is not something that is available to everybody who's, who's in those circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, to say the least. So, mm hmm. 